You know what I did the other day? I went on a run and I was like looking for a podcast. I just turned on our first podcast. I listened to our first pilot episode. It's fucking cringeworthy, man. Really? Real cringeworthy. It just sounds super scripted. And uh, if anyone's listening to this, first off, welcome to the episode. Hope everyone's doing well. And two, don't go listen to the pilot episode. That thing sucked. Really? I'm afraid. I, I don't even, I don't listen to our episodes. We put them out, to be honest with you. So I, I just like, I, I listen to like, I, I listen to it so much when I edit it. I spend two hours editing every podcast. So I hear plenty of it. I won't listen to what we put out anyways, let alone go back. Cause I just remember getting done some of those things. Like, wow, like I'm just a dork. Like I suck. And I still, I still think that about <laughs> myself, but I can't imagine what it would have sounded like before you get even remotely comfortable talking on, on a microphone or something. Well, the guests that we've been having on have been so good lately, so I've had to go back and just, you know, like study the episode sometimes because the, the value is just unreal. We, we, honestly, have a, we have a good podcast, man. We, I, I really think we do. We're honestly at the point now, I think, where there's a couple people that should come back on, yeah, like for sure. Because, yeah, absolutely. Because, because like, I think I think we're, there's going to be this evolution because we're, we are kind of interview-based and we're not making it about us, and that's cool. And I'm fine with that, and I think that's a good way to go about it because we're just young guys, right? That's the mentality. But I think there's also something to say for we have interviews and we have people like like Ben Newman, for example. I would love to have him come on Gotta have a second interview, but have it have it kind of a different conversation more of a conversation as opposed to an interview you know what i mean that would be kind of cool i think uh beyond just what we've already done with them you know yeah because i think the first the first like interview that we have with people is kind of getting to know them a little bit and then you know we especially in the beginning we weren't as comfortable being able to ask more thought-provoking questions and be more conversational i definitely think that we've done a decent job of getting to that point yeah you're almost afraid you're almost afraid to shake the tree you're almost afraid to like uh like if this person like if I say something that doesn't, this person doesn't like, like they're going to, what are they going to, like what's the worst thing that can happen is you what you learn. But in the beginning, you think it's going to be the end of the world if you piss them off. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. There's just so many good things happening, um, you know, in our worlds, in the podcasting realm, so many awesome things on the way. We'll be sure to, you know, fill you guys in as that comes along. It's in the very near future, some really big things happening. Make sure you follow the Learn Lead Instagram. We're back on that after I fucking sucked at posting content on it. <laughs> I'm still running it, but we're still got to, I'm, I'm being consistent with it because you know, consistency wins. Um, you know, we, we just changed the brand. I was going to say, talk to them about the logo. I was going to say, talk about the logo, man. That thing is awesome. Yeah. So, so very briefly, um, the girl that did our logo the first time tried canceling me on Twitter for absolutely no reason. Basically I was a, a dick to people in high school and apparently I was never forgiven for that. So she tried canceling me and I was like, all right, well, I'm, I'm not going to support her stuff. And, you know, I think it was time for a new logo anyway. It was a little cartoonish in my opinion. So we went with uh, my friend Megan, who is an absolute amazing, amazing artist, both freehand and digital artist. And her name's at Megan's going to make on all social handles. She did such a nice package for us. We had everyone vote for the logo and we decided on, you know, what you're seeing right now. And there's so many other things coming out that um, that you'll be able to see. So many amazing things. So blessed. As we're speaking right now, though, Tony V is up 10,000% on Dogecoin. Jesus. I just wanted to throw that in there. Just a little gloat. Uh, this, is, this is real. You heard that right. 10,000%. Unfortunately, I only put $100 in. Basically, I went to go buy a bunch of stocks last year and had $100 left over of buying power. So I was like, oh, what's what's this thing? Doggy coin or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. I had no idea what it was. And I put $100 in there. Definitely don't recommend people do that. But I got lucky. Um, woke up this morning. 
up 10,000%, made $10,000 on a $100 investment. Not not too shabby. Treating yourself. That's the defi- that's the, the definition of treating yourself. Yeah, it it doesn't happen often, but when it does, lock in the gains, pay off some credit card debt, and move on with your life. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, enough about us. Let's talk about our guest we have in this interview, Mr. Adam Hires. He is a mortgage loan officer coach. So if you we do have a lot of people that are mortgage loan officers that listen to this podcast. If you are listening, Adam Hires is the guy to go to in terms of the coaching space for that industry. He is unreal. I had a really good time talking to him. What about you? Yeah, it's an evergreen talk too. It's not it's not super uh current event. We do talk about the the current you know, climate of the of the the market that we're in. However, I would just say, if if you're someone like myself who, you know, my knowledge on real estate, my knowledge in that whole entire world is, uh, you know, I would say pretty entry level. Right, I understand the pros and the cons of the general uh, ideas of buying property and things like that. However, I think he does a really good job of of taking the mile wide, foot deep explanation of all of it, but also providing a ton of value in the weeds. That's like very understandable from someone like myself who who is a, is an outsider in the industry, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's also got a podcast called Mortgage Talks. I've listened to a couple episodes, extremely valuable on that end. We talk about some real estate investing. I ask some personal questions about cuz I want to go into real estate investing as well. Really good episode. So, without further ado, guys, Adam Hires. Right, we got here Mr. Adam Hires. Adam, thanks so much for joining us and taking the time. Another really high performer coming on the podcast. How's it going? Man, just any better. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm, t- I'm still trying to always find different ways to answer that question. How's it going? So I'm going to add that to my vernacular if you don't mind. <laughs> Go for it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> awesome, Adam. Do you mind telling us your story? I know you got a lot going on. We read your bio, did some digging into you, and it looks like you're a Swiss army knife of being able to do a lot of different things. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about your story? Well, I would I would I would uh, counter that point and say uh, I'm, I'm not good at a lot of things, uh, but uh, you know, don't ask me to fix anything. I'm not handy. Uh, but uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I obviously a mortgage loan officer and running that business and and uh, also coaching mortgage loan officers to grow their business and uh, just moved states. So moved from Kentucky to Georgia. And now I'm, I'm chronicling my journey uh, in Georgia, going from zero contacts to trying to do 150 loans in a new state uh, this year. So uh, a big awesome. challenge and just trying to, you know, repeat the business and show others it can be done. And and uh, I'm always up for a good challenge. I love that. And so now uh, tell us how you got into the mortgage industry. I know this is a really relevant topic mm-hmm. for what we do yeah. as financial advisors and you know it ties into everything. The state of the mortgage industry is it's it's, cr- it's crazy. A lot of people are thinking about it. Interest rates are super low. Why don't you dive into it for us? Yeah, absolutely. So I was running an Ashley Furniture, and I opened this Ashley Furniture, or the, they were opening an Ashley Furniture up uh, in a town that was in Kentucky. And so I start that journey. It was supposed to be like every other Ashley Furniture. Uh, just immaculate, looking great, and ended up being in an old Lowe's building. <laughs> and I had to argue with people over whether it was a green couch or a brown couch because the lighting was so horrible. And so, you know, I, I, 
just work with sales staff to try to grow and, 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 you know, always was worried about the KPIs, how they were going and just diving in head first. Well, I made the, the, the worst move ever was, was hiring someone I knew I shouldn't have. And, uh, cause I just need someone sales staff and he was just torture my, you know, just torture my store, uh, very bad culture. And so stuff was kind of nosediving some. And, and so at one point I said, you know, I just think this was about two years in. So I think they're going to fire me. I came home and told my wife, I said, I think this is coming. And she said, oh, they're not going to fire you. You're, you're, you know, you bust your butt. I mean, you got good numbers. And I was like, I just think it's coming. So I started looking for other avenues, you know, before, uh, before that would happen. And so I came to a mortgage company uh, and had a good conversation with the guy. And I was like, so excited. I was like, man, I think this is going to be an avenue to, to really, uh, you know, make good money. Um, and, and at that point, good money was, you know, $100,000. I was like, man, that would be great to do that just to kind of like I am now and work less hours, work a little more Monday through Friday. So I came back home and I said, I'm going to, I said, told her how exciting this was. And she says, well, you're not doing that. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I guess I'm not doing that. And then about two weeks later, the uh, regional comes walking in unannounced. And I was like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> and sure enough, the best blessing that ever could have happened to me, uh, I said, we're going to have to let you go. And I was like, sweet, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I am going to go in this mortgage industry and and light it up. And so I, I get in there. And at that point, I was do or die. I hadn't really didn't have savings, didn't have anything you know, built up. They gave me some small little bitty salary for the first few months to get going, but it was very small. And I was like, okay, am I as good as what I think I am? And I, you know, all ships are burned. So third month in, I started closing. I closed like 10 deals and was making good money and the rest was history. So then from then I started building a team. Um, so it was, it was a do or die, but the mortgage industry is one of those that just like your industry or a lot of industries out there, it's what you make of it, um, how much you're willing to put into it and continuously grow and serve at the highest level. And that's what this industry has gave me and, and the, the platform to do that and make an income I would never would have dreamed of. And really this growth is the biggest thing that just the self growth it takes to be a high performer is what I enjoy the most. For for someone that knows nothing about your industry, if you were going to essentially pitch this career path to someone who knows nothing about your industry, what would you say to them? Are you willing to work? Uh, are you willing to put in effort? Are you you know willing to serve? And if you are, then this could be a industry for you. Um, I, I think that there's so many paths to, to the cash and to, to making a great income and, you know, in, in different industries, certainly mortgages is not the only one, but it is certainly one where you can come in and you can absolutely crush it if you're willing to do the right things and put in the time to serve at the highest level. Right. You're willing to, you know, 
you know, just do those things and, and connect with people. If you love to connect with people, you love to serve people and you're willing to put in that time, that effort, then, then this industry that's clean, it's good. It's not, it's not slimy. You're helping people get a home. It's a beautiful thing. So at the end of it, you're making great money to give people their dream. So can you do me a favor? Can you compare the mortgage industry back in 2008 and nine or pre 2008, nine to where it is today? Like what are the big standout differences in the industry from, from 10 years ago or 15 years ago to, to where it is today? So to, to tell my story a little bit back is I, so I got in the mortgage industry about uh, four and a half years ago, but I was previously in it for about a year, kind of, sort of for two years in a 2007, eight area. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So I was doing it just half heartedly. I was powerlifting. I had a lot of things going on. I was not really, uh, it, I was, I was doing it just to survive and honestly didn't know what I was doing. So I, I was in the mortgage industry briefly um, and, and and made it by, but had no clue what I was doing, had no mentor, uh, just no clue how much money you could make, which now it's kind of kicking myself in the butt. I should have stayed in there, got a mentor. And, 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 and even in the 2008, 2009, all those areas, you could have still grown big time if you were just willing to, to put in the work and, and have someone guide you along. But obviously back then, you know, crazy loans going on. I remember you could, you could call the, the, uh, you, you could call the, uh, uh, appraisal appraiser and say, Hey, can you appraise this for, you know, $50,000 more or whatever than what you think it would appraise for. Uh, we're going to get them cash back. And it was just a thing that you could just do. It was not even wow. looked Jeez. upon as a bad <laughs> thing. You could, you could give stated loans. Somebody you knew was really making $30,000 a year. You're, you're stating them at 60 grand. Um, so it was, it was a wild time. And at the time I was, I was young and I just didn't even think about the repercussions on that. But what, what I will say is that if, if somebody lost a home, they didn't really, um, they wouldn't have got it anyway. Right. So, so the, they took their, I guess at the same time they took their, um, you know, they took their leap and, and, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully they, they figured out a way to, to, to keep it and actually, gain money from it, but a lot of people didn't, right? It was a, so it was a, it was a bad time for a lot of people, heartbreak for a lot of people, but now there's so much regulation around it. Um, you know, you got to qualify. So certainly the, they, you know, at this point, the market is, is really good to, to make a lot of money, to serve people, to grow your business, but it's also in a way that's sustainable. Um, because, you know, really, I think for the next, you know, this whole, this whole, you know, till 2030, I think we're going to continue to grow in the purchase business. Um, and I think there's definitely going to continue to be a market out there because it's a sustainable market. Um, there's certainly things going on right now where there's, there's homes that are, uh, inventory is low, but I think ultimately they'll continue to figure that out because the, the home, you know, home industry, right. The, Home loan industry is is one of the biggest things that uh, stir the economy, as you as you all know. Yeah, and, and just to touch on what you were saying before, I think that's one of the big problems in America is the fact that our government and all these regulators they don't take action until something mm. happens. Yeah, they wait until something happens and then they go make laws about it. And you know, people didn't know what they didn't know, 
Uh, so a lot of people owed more money than their home was actually worth, which yeah. is pretty crazy back in the day. Yeah. Um, but now speaking about what you were just talking about, let's talk about, cause now it's a, it's a very interesting time, you know, with the coronavirus, um, banks are lending money at super low rates. So like you said, inventory is super low, which is on the contrary, it's weird because you would think that home prices are dropping because people aren't having the ability to earn an income, things like that. But home prices are skyrocketing. People are willing to pay so much more money for the value than what the home is actually worth now just to get in there. Where do you see these interest rates going and how soon do you see them changing? I know you were talking about 2030. Mm-hmm. Do you mind dissecting into that that date a little bit more? Uh, yeah. So this year projected the the rates right now, for example, you can get still under 3% interest rate, which is phenomenal. Um, you know, over the last two weeks, they've, they've taken little bumps uh, up, but they're they're projected to to be in the three to three point three percent area, you know, at the end of the year. So, still going to be an amazing rates. Now, what they're going to do after that, I mean, you know, that's that's anybody's uh, anybody's guess. We know, and, and of course, that data could be wrong, incorrect as far as what it's going to end up being. But you know, there's a lot of room there because. Um, at 4%, you, you all know, 4%, 5% is still an amazing rate um, overall anyway. So I think that there's going to be, the rates are going to stay pretty steady. Uh, again, when you have a new administration, they try to make sure as well, any administration tries to make sure that the economy is going as healthy as it can. I, I know there's politics involved and everybody <laughs> wants to have one side or the other, but but. The fact is, you know, they always are trying to keep that market as healthy as it can, no matter what administration. And, and of course, you you, you talked about um, what went on back in 2008 is that, um, you know, I don't think anybody's wanting to, to do that again. And uh, I don't understand how anybody, <laughs> they had to know that that was going to come crashing down. So uh, anybody, uh, anybody would have understood that. So I think, again, I think there's it's going to be a good, healthy market for a while. Um, you know, there's plenty of millennials coming in, still buying. Um, you know, there's you know, obviously more people b- uh, born every day, so I think there's just continuously going to be opportunity. And you know, we'll see what happens with some of the uh, new builds because the price of lumber's went up. But there's there's so much there's so much that's going to go on there that's going to uh, affect some of the pricing. But um, yeah, supply and demand, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely there right now. There's, if you're a seller, you're going to get top dollar for your, your, your home for sure. So the supply and demand is there. What are some strategies that you guys are using to get in front of the people that want to buy homes or want to sell homes? What are are some strategies you guys are using to get in front of those people? And then what is that? And then what does that process look like from a standpoint of, you know, working with somebody from the very beginning? Let's say I, you know, you, you get in front of me one, how do you get in front of me? And two, how do you help me buy a home? So for me as a mortgage loan officer, I, you know, I was teaching a class today, um, an event it's called Powerful, and you know, even talked to uh, real estate agents and talking about top of funnel. Who's the top of funnel? Who gets to the the client before you do? And that's that's really what it, it amounts to for us. It's going to um, definitely real estate agents and getting getting those referrals. It's uh, going to um, financial planners getting referrals because sometimes they'll get to the client obviously before we do. I, I really just worry about the top of funnel and how can we get in front of as many referral partners. And I always call them the multipliers, getting the multipliers because at the end of the day, if you get in front of enough people referring enough people, then 
regardless of what the market does, you're still going to land a ton. And even if, for example, let's just say you're closing, your closing percentage goes down 5%. If you're, you know, obviously you're getting 20% more referrals, you're, 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 you're making it out just fine. So I don't, I, I try to just worry about, I think that really that's what you can focus on a lot of things, but what you focus on definitely grows. And what I focus on is, is going to the top of the funnels and get in front of the, the people that are going to get to that, my client before we do, because we don't have anything sexy, right? Like at the end of the day, it's like, Hey, here's your 30 year mortgage. This is, you know? And so, you know, it's not anything that, that we really have that, that attracts people or a means to ends to get in there. And, and so we, we need to partner with, with great people to get in front of them. Um, you know, and, and so, so they get to the client before we do and funnel them down. And then, so you get in front of them. What does that process look like from a standpoint of that you apply for, you know, and this is again, I'm, for mm-hmm. the folks out there that don't know what that process looks like. A lot of our young listeners are, you know, young entrepreneurs who mm-hmm. may have not bought a home yet or are just learning about that process. So could you help maybe educate us a little bit on that too, even though it's basic? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the, the process is, is, is not too complicated. I mean, it, you know, people don't, people don't know what they don't know. Um, so, uh, it, it's our job to right. just, just answer questions as they come. So if somebody is, um, you know, referred to us, then we're going to have a basic conversation, um, see what their needs are, see what they're trying to accomplish, what maybe some of their long-term goals are, and then we're going to get them to apply. And then from then we're going to give them either they have one option or they have three options. It depends on what, um, uh, you know, that looks like. And for entrepreneurs, especially, they have sometimes unique situations because, you know, they're not maybe a W-2 employee. So there's a lot of tax documents that come in play. And and if I can give one advice to CPAs out there, please, please ask your clients what is next for them. What are they doing over the next one or two years? Because if they're going to buy a home, stop writing off every single thing and uh, depleting what they're bottom line number is. Um, so if you're an entrepreneur out there, um, make sure that you tell your CPA what your plans are in the next one or two years to buy a home, because that can be a huge difference in whether you can buy a home or you're having to wait for, you know, a, another tax return or, or maybe two to, you know, level up your income. So I think that's the biggest tip I can give out there for entrepreneurs is make sure, make sure your CPA knows and, Maybe before you even um, apply, or excuse me, before you actually uh, go through with your tax returns, maybe talking to a mortgage loan officer to see what income they can count before you hit the 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 big send button off to the IRS and 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 mess you up for another year. So make sure that you you tell your CPA and and get with a mortgage loan officer to to see what income you can count and where you stand at this point. That's an amazing tippet. I never even, you know, that didn't even cross my mind for a second. And at 24, I'm going through my first pre-approval process right now. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely, it's not the easiest thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, in terms of all the income you got to show, the length of income you got to show, all the things that the banks want. Um, one thing that I wanted to ask, I wanted to dive in because like Landon was saying, we do have uh, a lot of entrepreneurs here. Some people are real estate investors. I intend on being a real estate investor myself. Nice. What are some some tip is that you have for people who specifically are looking to um, rather buy and flip homes or buy and rent homes. I personally am looking into the, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're familiar with the Burr strategy. Um, if not, 
I'll, I'll feel free to, to fill you in on that. Would love to understand your your grasp on the real estate investing uh, side of things. So I think one of the things that people could take the opportunity to do is, um, for example, you may not you not own a home now, and people, well, I want to I want to buy an investment property. And so what I, a lot of times will, will at least counterpoint and have them think about is why don't you buy your first one as a primary? That way you get prime rates and you don't have to sink a bunch of money into, to that investment off the bat. So you can keep your, you can keep your buckets of income or your buckets of money, wherever you got them placed at. So where you have money to pull from later, have a minimal down payment, great rates. And then you can live in that for six months or a year and then go buy another primary. So you can use that as a, an investment, you know, just right down the road and then go ahead and and buy another uh, investment property. So a lot of people try to buy the investment first, which I'm not saying is necessarily a bad thing. However, a lot of people don't understand or know that you, Hey, you can, you can buy that home and turn around in, in a year and go ahead and put it as an investment property. You know, obviously a good strategy would be buying a duplex, renting out one side, living in it for a year and say, okay, well, I'm going to go buy another primary residence, you know? And, and so that's, that's allowed. That's fine. As long as your intent is to live in it right then, you're going to live in it for a period, then you can still turn around and, 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 and use it as an investment later. Okay. So basically, I mean, what the birth strategy is, is, you know, so you buy a property and obviously the deal is what what dictates everything. Obviously, you want to get a good deal. And then you rehab it, which force appreciates the property and can reappraise at a higher price. And then you could refinance, cash out refinance yeah. and rent it out so that you have all that cash to now go put into more real estate. It, just hearing that on a surface level, how does that tie into what you do? Yeah, I've definitely heard people do. I mean, I've definitely had people do that for sure. There's a... Uh, a real estate investor uh, buddy of mine that does does that, you know, absolutely. I think that's that's a good way to do it. I mean, flipping the property uh, and, and and making sure that you always have cash flow to go to the next one is is absolutely, I think, a great strategy because, um, you know, if you can find a property that that's that can uh, that can really go up in value by by a few things uh, going in there doing a few things, and obviously you can you can keep continuing to free up cash flow to to keep, you know, keep it going. And I think that a lot of people don't, I mean, people, obviously you understand and, uh, you know, but, you know, the, the money a lot of times is not right there. It's, it's, it's later because somebody else is paying your, your bill and you're appreciating in value and you're paying down the, the mortgage at the same time. So it's a long-term strategy. Um, but you're just continuing to, to get long-term strategies while using the money for you. I mean, I think it's a, yeah, it's absolutely a way to, to, to build wealth pretty rapidly. Um, you know, uh, for sure. I mean, that's, that's, that's definitely, I think that, um, I think that's a good strategy at 100%. I mean, I would, I would advise people to do that if they can find those properties that, that can appreciate at a, at a pretty good clip and, and you can rent them out and they got, you know, um, uh, they're, they're, they're in a marketable, you know, place to where you can, you can, you can do that. Yeah. I appreciate you shedding light on that. Um, so now let's, let's transition to the, the high performer side of mm-hmm. things. You're, you're also, this is a business of personal development. How, how do we set goals and how do we 
transform our lifestyle for people that want to achieve a high income in whatever um, business that they're in? Um, I think it's a, again, I think it's a big focus. Um, you know, like I did my powerful event today and, uh, you know, all the experts say, Hey, you know, block out your time, do this. Well, I, I don't, it, it's, it's gotta be a focus. It's gotta be a focus on what you want to do, why you want to do it. They all have to align. And I think a lot of people are swimming upstream instead of going with what, um, their natural, uh, abilities are. And, you know, for anybody to scale, you have to, you have to do things you really like to do. And I always talk about the 80, 20 rule, right? The 20, you know, 80% of what you, uh, 20% of what you do produces 80% of results. However, the highest performers, there's another 80, 20, it's 4%, right? There's 4% of what you actually do. That's most of the results. So I think for anybody coming in, continue to understand what you, uh, is your 4% in that industry. For example, me is if I'm sitting down with a real estate agent, that's in a 4% because if I sit down with a real estate agent, they, they decide to send me business that can, that's thousands and thousands of dollars a year. And that one 30 minute, you know, coffee or whatever is going to produce a tons of results. So I think that understanding what your 4% is going to be, what you, um, you know, and, and it has to, again, there's a great book uh, or there's great, uh, you know, a great book by Craig Ballantyne, uh, The Perfect Week. And, you know, a lot of these, a lot of people think, okay, well, I got to do what everybody else says I got to do, which is wake up at 5 a.m. workout or whatever. And, you know, he has a counterpoint to that, which doesn't mean that you don't want to do that. Or, or that may be something that you do like to do. And that's, that's okay. Keep doing it. However, if that's not your natural state, that's not what you like to do. Like most people go in in your golden hours and crush it for two hours off the bat, right off the bat in the morning. And then, then do the other things. Right. So continue to understand not to swim upstream. And I know that's very broad, but it's really, you have to understand what really is your strongest suits? What's your 4% that's really going to make you grow the most. And you're going to have to be prepared to, to get talent to protect the other 96%. And I think if you, if you continuously work towards the 4%, then you're going to really achieve big things. That's awesome. I think we've undersold uh, one part of your world is that you're you play a very large role in the leadership space in 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 the work area and in the powerlifting space. Correct. Uh, well, I was a powerlifter for years. Yes, I, I I you know got up to number one ranking, and it was it was good times. <laughs> what are some What are some some you know characteristics or things that you've learned? What are some traits that jump out to you? Some things that, that you've learned along the way that, that we could all take away with. I think more than anything, it's, it's just surrounding yourself around the best. Um, continuously, continuously. I paid so much money to have coaching, to have mentorship, to keep getting in the rooms that, um, that just are better than I am. And, right. you know, for me, when I do that, Uh, It just, everything blossoms from there. And for me right now, when it comes to leadership, so I have a team 
that now I've built that takes care of most of my stuff. I don't, I haven't looked at a, I haven't looked at a tax document in years. I don't look at, I don't look at bank statements. I don't do any of that. Now, a lot of law officers is they, they run that rat race for 20 years, continuously doing that stuff, which is, man, that's horrible. Um, <laughs> I would horrible. hate that. It's horrible. Yeah. I, I do not want to read bank statements and, and fight because uh, somebody doesn't have the right bank statement. That's just not. So continuously working again towards that four. And then what I know now is that, for example, I had a coaching or excuse me, a call uh, with my team. And I have it every morning, 830 Zoom call with my team. My biggest, my biggest uh, mission is to inspire them to create a vision for what I'm trying to do. And there's and the other day how I did that was in storytelling is the best way to do it. Um, storytelling, be a master master in storytelling. What I, what I would say is is one of the biggest leadership tools that you can have, and continuously working towards that. And so I tried to illustrate a point the other day of how to take care of our clients. And I started with a story when I was at Ashley Furniture. They had a um, they had a, a slogan called "Life Moments Matter." We're really good. And one guy got up, and I'll, I'll change his name, uh, but uh, let's just say it was Joe. And Joe got up to tell what the favorite his favorite piece of furniture was. And he said it was a kitchen table. And the reason why is because when he was 14 years old, his family went to um, all these different places trying to find a kitchen table. And he's like, oh, Mom, Dad, just find a table. Like hours later, they found a table, they brought it home. They had these great dinners. And so they, about two years later, his dad comes in, he sits him down at the kitchen table and he sees his dad start to cry. And it's the first time he's ever seen his dad cry. And he said, dad, what's the matter? And he said, your mom and I are getting a divorce. And he said, why are you crying so bad? And he said, because I know you're going to live with your mom. And Joe said, no. No, I want to live with you, dad. And so they took that kitchen table with them and they had that kitchen table, had great memories. And he had his friends over and, you know, after his dad had left or after he left his dad's house, he was a little older and had hodgepodge dinners at. And it was the same table that he got a call where his, he heard of his dad passing. And he right. said, listen, he said, I will never sell that table. That table means more to me than anything else, any other piece of furniture I could ever have. And that, that, that has history. And I said, I said, guys, that's what we're doing. When we're getting, we're, we're helping people with a home loan. Think about a kitchen table and then think about a home. This may be the first time anybody's ever bought a home in their whole family. This is what we're doing. This is the mission we're on. This is how we care for our clients. And after I said that, the, the team was just like, wow, like illuminated, charged up, ready to go. And like, hey, whatever happens today, we're going to serve the client at the highest level. And I think when I, when I say you ask that question of what I've learned, I've learned to care for my clients through my team and the vision I set for my team and the stories that I tell my team. Those are what really 
really move the needle and help me grow and expand and stay in my 4%. That's amazing. That's, that's, that's awesome. I'm, I'm a little fired up right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Thank, thanks so much for sharing that, Adam. Absolutely. I, I love the, the concept of being a, being a good storyteller. Your podcast, Mortgage Talks, why don't mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit more about that, dissect it. Um, obviously, we're, I know we're, we're it's talking about mortgages. <laughs> how, how do we access <laughs> that? Um, yeah. just, just plug it in for us. Yeah, absolutely. So Mortgage Talks, um, that's on iTunes, Spotify, um, at least I know, and maybe some other places, but that's the main spots. Uh, and I, I started that journey with it about 14 months ago or so. And uh, it's it's definitely directed at mortgage loan officers to help them grow, give them good, um, you know, good knowledge. But it's got it's got some really great guests on there that are outside the mortgage industry that are you know really helping with someone's mindset if they want to just get stuck, you know, you know, unstuck. And I had like Pam Christian, which is a former real estate agent and now a, a mindset coach. I've had. I've had branding coaches on there. I've had so many people that, um, you know, are high level. They're from different, um, different walks. So it's definitely got the mortgage in there, but a real estate agent, insurance agent, financial planner, you can cross paths and really get a lot out of it. But what it's doing right now, what I'm, the journey I started was I moved from Kentucky to Georgia about seven weeks ago. And I put myself in a no choice situation for growth, legacy, impact. And that was to say, hey, listen, I'm going to do 150 loans in a new state from zero contacts to 150 loans this year. And I'm chronicling that journey. And you can definitely apply it to whatever business you're in and the tactics. And for example, the, the mindset of, of, of myself where I just like, man, everything's going good in Kentucky. Do I really need this? No, you set yourself up to do this, you have to do it. So it really goes into um, what you have to do and the mindset behind um, how I'm going about my day. Awesome. Awesome. And and what are some other ways that our listeners can follow you in your journey? You have any Twitter handles, Instagram or Facebook or anything like that? Uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. I do not have Twitter, um, but uh, yeah, those are the main ones. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram or uh, LinkedIn, just Adam hires. You can find me. Find one me pretty word. easy. <laughs> one and o- the one and only, baby. The one, one and only. only. There you go. H I R E S. As easy as you can spell it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, Adam, thanks so much. Is there anything you want to leave our listeners with before we wrap this up? Well, I always, my slogan is limited risks equals limited income. Take the risk, bet on yourself, work like hell, and you'll achieve whatever you want to. Awesome. Thanks so much, Adam.
Thanks for tuning in to the Learn Lead Podcast, where you get to own your life. Stay tuned for our future guests coming soon. Make sure to like and subscribe.